All right, we are back. That was a little more Zeparella with Dazed and Confused. And uh, standing by for the next segment is Kathleen Day. She's joining us to talk about her book, Broken Bargain, Bankers, Bailouts, and the Struggle to, ta- to Tame Wall Street. Good morning. Hey, how are you? Wonderful. Kathleen, tell me about how this book came about. Well, uh, I uh, was at the Post for about two and a half decades covering wow. um, uh, covering uh, banking and finance uh, from Washington. So it was both Wall Street and the regulators. And I left, and when I left, I, I, we all thought the Internet was killing everything. What did we know? But anyway, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I'm now teaching at Johns Hopkins, and I'm still a reporter, but uh, not full-time. So I, the Post asked me to come back uh, during the mortgage meltdown and compare that crisis to the one in the 1980s with the savings and loan industry, which I'm sure many listeners are too young to remember. But that was a huge uh, fiasco in the 1980s, and it's still the most costly bailout. It was even costlier than the more recent bailout of banks because the most recent bailout, most of that money was paid back. So you and I are still paying in our taxes for the bailout of the 80s. But anyway, so I, okay. I did that comparison, and I then developed a class for Georgetown, which university, which I then took to Johns Hopkins, and it developed into, I realized that to really explain each of these crises, you had to go back to the one before, and it took me basically all the way back to Jefferson and Hamilton. And I thought, I wish I had had, when I had begun being a reporter, a book like this. I wrote the book that I wanted to have to teach my class, give people a working common sense in plain English history of banking and finance in the United States and explain to people this very important pocketbook issue. Okay, quick question. So, you know, some people would look at this book and their eyes might glaze over. I mean, what age would be the age that you would target? College students and up? I would say absolutely. Um, There might be some precocious, you know, Warren Buffett was, <laughs> he, he was a teenager. Wow. He was this remarkable person, although I, 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 he probably knew everything already, but in kindergarten, it's in the book, I'm kidding. But mm. uh, it depends, but definitely for college level. And I would say anyone who just knows that there was something wrong, you know, there's tons of wonderful books out there about every one of these crises. Um, I, one in particular, for example, The Big Short, I can, I, people can read that book and not really understand what more securities do. In my book, I give that, but not in an academic way. I try to explain, because none of this, you know, none of this should be that complicated to understand. So I give, I'm trying to to explain it to people in a way they can say, oh, I get it. Yes. I see. You know what I find really important is I feel like you've you've given people the backstory of what has happened and why it's happened. Well, it, it it keeps happening. Is the is the right. truth, and it's we're poised right now. The markets are upset for many reasons, including political. But uh, they are also there's also we are we are, we have all the ingredients for the next crisis. There's uh, corporate America is debt laden. There's a lot of risky debt. A lot of money being lent to people who are uh, at high risk. Not people, but companies that are at high risk, and they're being used for for silly things. There's really not a good thing when you see companies borrowing money to pay dividends or to buy back stock. That's just, I'm not sure that's what their shareholders signed up for. Um, And so if the market does go down and people, there is a sell-off as we're in now, it's going to expose, as as people say on Wall Street, when the water tide goes out, you see who's swimming without a bathing suit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. 
Um, yeah, that's, and it's, it's um, you know, everybody looks great when the tide is high. All, it lifts all boats. But right. um, anyway, so yeah. I, and the other ingredient here is that, that the regulators under this administration are completely, in my, I, I, there's just no word for it. They're just wrong-headed. They, one main banking regulator, federal regulator, has called his, the banks he's supposed to police on yours and my behalf as taxpayers and citizens. He's called them his clients his customers. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. So this is crazy talk and crazy times, and it's, people have amnesia when it comes to money. Yes, definitely. Um, I want to back up a second. You have a chapter, if it seems too good to be true, when you talk about the arrest of Charles Ponzi in 1920. I didn't realize that's where it all started, the Ponzi scheme. Exactly. See, these are things that I think if people read this, you know, they can read this book, I think, in a couple of, I mean, there's some parts that are a little more hard to get through, maybe, because it's a complicated thing, but I really try to parse it. And yet Ponzi, in the 1920s, we've all seen this before. Those mortgage-backed securities that were supposedly these newfangled um, things from in the, in the 2000s and the new millennium, they've been around in the 20s. Mm-hmm. States banned them. And, and what happened in the 80s is some people from Wall Street said, hey, let's get some federal legislation that r- rides rough shot over all these state laws and we'll start selling these things again and they did and we got a global financial crisis unbelievable it is unbelievable and i i'm hoping that this is a book that even people who know what happened and can read along and say oh yeah i knew that i knew that putting it all together will say have them say okay i i've gleaned more than i otherwise would have um even if i knew each of these discrete facts yes so why is it that our country keeps having this financial crisis, crises? Hey, crises, yeah, you've got to use the plural. Yes. Uh, multiple plurals. Um, I think for me, at the end of the day, I really do, and I know this might make people say, well, this will never happen, but don't, they shouldn't. I think we have to have uh, campaign finance reform because we have a Congress that is every time someone is sworn in, they're looking uh, for how over the next two to six years they're going to, finance their campaign. That's the first thing they're thinking about. And they're not having discussions about policy. They're having discussions about who's paying them money. <laughs> That's what, they, is what our banking policy yeah. amounts to. So until there's a crisis. And then, of course, voters uh, trump lobbyists. But in times that seem to be quiet like now, the lobbyists really hold sway, and it's because of their campaign contributions. And so if we had a, a saner system we would be discussing policy, not uh, how to make our, our, our contributors uh, more profitable. Do you think it's possible to break the cycle of bailouts for Wall Street? Um, I don't, mm-hmm. for a simple reason, even though well, everything I've just said, you you, we had to do it. I mean, that, it was repugnant to everyone that we had to do the bailout. Everyone wanted to hold their nose, and they did hold their nose to do it, but you had to do it. And I know this is an off-use metaphor, but it's it's like someone smoking in bed, uh, and they burn their house down. You are not going to sit there and let the fire continue through the neighborhood just because they were irresponsible. So you, in a way, you have to bail them out by having the fire department come and put out the fire. So people acted irresponsibly, but once they act irresponsibly enough, we have to go in and bail them out of jail, basically, and metaphorically, um, to keep it from getting even worse. And, and so the, the point... I do try to make in this book is that we ought to be asking why aren't our regulators doing a better job? They mm-hmm. should not be so 
so subject to the po- to political whims, and they are. Um, you know, no one at the Securities and Exchange Commission wants to get a call from Congress uh, because some mad corporation has gone to their congressman. Every year, the Securities and Exchange Commission, which is supposed to police our markets, has to go and be refunded by Congress. They have to go hat in hand. And if a congressman wants to hold up their funding because he has a, he or she has a mad uh, constituent, that's just not the way things should work. Right. People yeah. people should be doing their jobs regardless of who it is. No one should be above the law. And we have regulations that are not meant to be onerous. That's another misconception people have. These are most of our laws. I'm not saying they're perfect, but they were put in place after the 1920s because we didn't have any laws. We didn't have accounting standards. I mean, it was mayhem. Sure. They were put place not to make uh, to to be onerous, but to make the market fair and level. It's the it's the function that government should serve is coming in and saying we're all going to play by the same rules, uh, and and we're going to have referees and we're going to have an honest ball game here, so no one can cheat or uh, be throwing uh, curveballs um, unfairly. It, it, it's as simple as that. Right. So. Tell me about the process of writing this book, because it's a lot of information. And, you know, I, I know you said you wanted to gear it towards your students. Um, what was well, it like uh, putting this together? I, the general I really, public. Yeah, the general public. I really wrote with the, the great thing about having uh, uh, writing, and I, I'm actually still writing occasionally for the Post. The, the great thing about writing for the Washington Post, like, I, have, I know my odd, I write for the same person. People often ask me, who do you write for? And it's, it's second nature to be now. I write for a general audience. And I assume that they're intelligent but don't know the facts. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what you do. You try to say, what do they need to know to understand the point I'm making? So I don't want to have too many facts. Uh, right. Some of of course, I put in there just because they're just really interesting, like the, the, I think it was a North Dakota governor who told, <laughs> in the 30s, told, uh, told uh, farmers to shoot uh, the bank, uh, uh, shoot the bank or tar and feather the banker if he came to try to reclaim the mortgage on the farm. Yes. Um, you know, there's colorful things yes. uh, in history, but, but I really try to gear it towards a, a mainstream audience who, who doesn't, like I do, my bread, I, I every day think about these things. Not everyone has that luxury. They have other jobs. I mean, I, I love my job because I get to think about these things, but I'm writing it for people who maybe don't have time to do that. Right. No, I think it's an important uh, bit of history and how we got to where we are. Mm-hmm. You know, so where and it goes back. Hamilton and Jefferson. So it, it, and everyone thinks their fight was about banking. Here's just a little uh, tidbit: is their fight was really over whether the federal government could incorporate that is indemnify shareholders. So this book not only traces the history of banking and finance, but the corporate form as the world knows it was really created here in the United States and was shaped by bankers. Early America, an incorporation, which is something the government has to give you, only a government can bequeath um, this idea that it, uh, shareholders are limited in their liability. And they would limit corporations to 20 years, and they would say it had to do a specific thing like build a canal or a water system or whatever, and then it had to be reviewed. How we got to these gigantic uh, institutions that claim, you know, give us our incorporation and go away. Government regulation is horrible. Uh, we can exist forever, do whatever we want, and we're now deemed people. They are legally people, but they should not be deemed exactly like you and me, and they shouldn't be allowed to give us, I don't think, so much money the same way you and I could. It's just they're different. And people don't understand that the corporate form has greatly influenced uh, finance and banking 
and was shaped by it on purpose so they yes. could basically do what they want. Wow. Well, unfortunately, we do have to wrap, Kathleen, but where can people find out more about you? Um, I have a website. It's KathleenDay.com. Uh, Kathleen Day is all one word. And my book, uh, uh, Broken Bargain, Bankers, Bailouts, and the Struggle to Tame Wall Street is available. It goes on sale tomorrow officially, but you can order it, I think, today any, at uh, independent bookstores on Amazon. Um, Fantastic. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you so much. I can now clear off my dining room table of papers. <laughs> and I bet you're on to your next project. Maybe. I'm going to take a little bit of a breather because yeah. I teach full time and I, I am writing again for the Washington Post. I'm, um, so I, I have, I'm busy, but I'm, yeah. I'm glad to have a deadline like this. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Congratulations and thank you so much for calling in. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. That was Kathleen Day talking about broken bargain, bankers, bailouts, and the struggle to tame Wall Street. If you missed any part of this, again, it will be up on the show blog, uh, the full conversation within an hour after I wrap. And right now you can read a full description about the book, and Kathleen is up on there. We'll take a little break, and then I have a few more guests. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.